Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. Our guest this week is Mike Marinaro. Mike is the president of Medtronic's Cardiac Rhythm Management Business, aka CRM, aka Medtronic's original business. This is what got it all started many decades ago. Mike and the CRM team take a lot of pride in that fact. They also take a lot of pride in being one of Medtronic's larger businesses, providing the revenue needed to support other higher growth businesses, but also finding their own opportunities for new growth and innovation. We'll talk specifically about pacemakers and uh, we'll hit upon some other areas as well. I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation with Mike Marinaro. Before we begin, let's hear from this episode's sponsor. Our sponsor is Donatel, and we're going to talk to Mike Kaiser. Mike's the vice president of business operations at Donatel. Mike, tell us a bit about Donatel. Donatel was founded as a tool and die company in 1967. Today, we provide medical components and devices worldwide, operate under ISO 9001 and 13485 certified systems, and are FDA registered as a contract manufacturer. We offer product development, rapid prototyping, 3D printing, tool making, and a variety of molding options, micro molding, insert molding, overmolding, liquid silicone molding, bioresorbable molding, and metal injection molding. We also offer precision machining of metals and plastics, component and device assembly, as well as process validation. So whether the need is to lower supply chain risk, make sourcing easier, or manage bottom line more efficiently, Partnering with Donatel brings our customers a competitive edge. All right, we'll hear more from Mike Kaiser and Donatel a little later in the podcast. If you want to find out more information about Donatel, go to donatelmedical.com. Donatel is spelled D-O-N-A-T-E-L-L-E. So donatelmedical.com. Now let's begin this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Well, Mike Marinaro, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's great to uh, get the backstories of uh, folks at Medtronic, and uh, wanted to learn a bit about your your path to the company. I know you uh, you went to a neighboring college. I went to Boston University. At the same time, you were in Boston College. You were uh, on the football team. Uh, football was clearly a big part of your life. Did you anticipate being part of your life post college, and, and was it to a degree? You know, I I think everyone that um, that goes through and plays some sort of athletics in college hope to continue. Um, but then the reality is that it ends at some point for all of us. And uh, so while I'm still a fan and my, and my kids are actually both playing collegiate football, oh, neat. Um, you know, I happily transitioned into, uh, into the workplace after, after my college career was up. And what was your first job in, uh, in MedTech? So first job was with uh, MedTech was at, with Boston Scientific. 
Um, but of my almost 30 years now as a professional, 28 and a half have been in healthcare. So I also worked at Pfizer uh, when I got out of college and then um, took, a, took a quick jaunt outside of the industry, uh, then into, into Boston Scientific. And I've been here at Medtronic about 21 years. Let me guess. It was probably during the late 90s, right? When everybody uh, <laughs> it was. saw it some was. opportunities elsewhere. It was. Well, let's, uh, I'd like to delve into the, uh, the CRM business at Medtronic and just sort of the role of it. I've been talking with, with Jeff Martha sort of about the, the various operating units. Some are clearly slated for high growth. Uh, and some are, are, are identified as the revenue sources, the sources of money that are going to produce ample revenues quarter after quarter. Where does, uh, where does CRM sort of fall in, into all of that? Yeah, we, I mean, we like to think of ourselves as a, certainly a, you know, a revenue generator for the company, but one that, one that is also growing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are, of course, we're the original business at Medtronic. And, uh, and so that's, it's an important uh, position to be in. It's still, you know, m- many people most people still, you know, attribute the pacemaker to Medtronic's sort of founding, and it's still critical to what we do every day. And it's in fact our highest, you know, share product. There are three businesses in Medtronic that really form sort of the the center of the company that are the largest businesses: ours, the spine business, and the and the surgical innovations business. And so, uh, it's important that we're all performing well, and uh, and the extent to which um, we are also all driving growth. You know, really, then provides more of a tailwind for the for the company. I heard you say that at uh, you had an online call earlier this year uh, with you and, and two of your colleagues, and the the I heard you say the original business that hadn't really occurred to me before that 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 would be a way to identify the group, and it certainly is. Does that carry a, a special meaning to be like the you know the the flagship, so to speak? <laughs> certainly, to the people inside of our business. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a it's a critical part of our heritage. The, the people at Medtronic hold the Medtronic mission, you know, central to everything we do. It was written here as Earl was, you know, sort of running our business, what was CRM at the time, or pacemaker business at the time. And, and we all identify um, with that and, you know, we hold it as important to, to what we do. And we know that it's important for, you know, for the company, for this part of the business to be doing well. So, yeah, it is. Um, we identify that way and, and it's important to us. That's pretty neat. So for yeah. those outside of, of Medtronic, what are the three, what are the primary products that fall under your, uh, the, your fall under your business? So, so the, um, the business is, is separated into really four major segments. Um, one that we call cardiac pacing therapies, uh, which would be where the traditional pacemaker would, would reside, reside. Uh, another we call defibrillation solution. So that is both our ICD and CRT, the cardiac resynchronization uh, uh, defibrillator uh, devices. We have a, a fast growing uh, segment inside of our business that we call procedure innovations. And that's mm-hmm. where our infection control business, our Tyrex product is, is housed. And then um, we have a, another portion of our business uh, called patient management. And patient management is responsible for the ecosystem that all of our devices plug into, and is essentially the, the infrastructure, you know, on on which we we run. So, what does growth look like for CRM, and, and where do you gain market share? Uh, is it uh, is it growing this market? Is it is it is it seizing market share from from competitors? Probably a combination of both. Yeah, it, it really is um, both. You know, so, so CRM. 
Medtronic CRM has been performing well over the last you know several periods. Uh, we've turned into a low to mid single digit grower for the for the company, um, and we see that um, that opportunity you know moving forward. Um, as we think about it, you know, there's really there's two ways to get there. One is through our innovation and driving share, really, just by you know trying to out innovate the competition. But the other is to really understand um, where we can disrupt our technologies and create new opportunities for growth. An example of that is a leadless pacemaker, which you know allows us to treat a full segment of you know pacemaker patients who are unable to be treated with traditional therapy. And so you start to open up parts of the market or our infection control mm-hmm. product, you know, the Tyrex product. You know, this is a whole new opportunity, a real need in the area of implantable cardiac devices or really implantable devices to prevent infection, um, but not one that was well served. And so you oper- you know, you identify these adjacent opportunities as well as new areas of growth. So it really is, share, you know, plus, plus new products, new opportunities, disrupting ourselves and opening up new, new vectors of growth. Let's delve a little bit in the, in the advances in, in pacemakers. Where are you uh, moving forward in, in, this, uh, in this area? It, there's two areas. Um, the, the most well-known is, uh, is in the leadless pacing segment. Our Micra uh, pacemaker was, um, was introduced to the market now about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has really been, you know, a novel technology that has taken a stronghold in a, in a large, large and growing segment of the market. It was first introduced as a single chamber pacemaker device. And the real value of the technology is it's miniaturized. Um, and, and we're able to, you know, essentially put the entire device into one capsule sized uh, technology that really allows us to, to avoid complications while of complications traditional devices while being able to you know deliver the therapy and so we're now on our second generation micro device and we're working to build out now the next generations of what um, leadless pacing will be today we can serve about half of the pacemaker um, disease states uh, there's still about half that go mm-hmm. unserved that we have to you know innovate into and and we're working on that the other area in in pacing that's um, em- emerging is in the area of hit bundle pacing or conduction system pacing, which is a, sort of an old concept that's now coming to life. It's it's seen as a more physiologic way to deliver pacing, and we, by way of where you place the the leads, we lead in this area uh, because of our lead technology, because of our delivery systems, and uh, and it's been an area of interest and growth. So if you look at the you know, the overall pacing market, it's actually, you know, one that has accelerated in growth uh, here over the last several years, and it's in large part because of, because of that innovation. All right, let's take this break from our conversation with Mike Marinaro, the president of Medtronic's CRM business, to bring back Mike Kaiser. Mike Kaiser, once again, is the vice president of business operations at Donatel. Mike, tell us. How does Donatel work with medtech companies? Donatel is 100% dedicated to the medical industry. We have a solid history of success with design for manufacturability being the cornerstone in our development process. Whether we're working on a single component or a complete device, we leverage the expertise of our technical team members in our manufacturing processes and toolmaking. We work very closely with our customers to optimize their product designs. 
Uh, through consistent growth and diversification, Donatel offers all the capabilities our customers need at one location and under one roof. Our proven performance track record, along with our solid financial position and ongoing improvement initiatives, provide the basis for why Donatel is the best choice and lowest risk supply chain partner. That's great, Mike. And I know you're excited to be sponsoring this CRM-focused podcast. What is Donatel's history with the cardiac market? Donatel has supported the top OEMs of the cardiac market for more than 50 years. We've helped by providing high-volume, low-complexity components, complex components, and complete devices. We're also actively committed to manufacturing components and assemblies for various implantable pulse generators, IPGs. Over the past 30 years, we have helped design and develop more than 280 unique and complex header assemblies for various IPG applications, and we've manufactured and shipped almost 6 million headers. Fantastic. Finally, Mike, I understand you have some news to report. Yes. Uh, Some of the newer technologies developed at Donatel over the past couple of years include the addition of micro metal injection molding, bioresorbable injection molding, and continued enhancements and upgrades to our micromanufacturing and metrology capabilities, allowing us to further miniaturize the components for the medical industries we serve. Several years ago, Donatel developed patents for various connector systems used within our customers' IPG devices. Those systems are used in both the cardiac and neurobodulation markets and have the reference trade names of SmartStack and NeuroStack. These were developed to meet an unmet need within our customers' end devices. Great. Thanks for joining us, Mike Kaiser, and thanks for your support, Donatel. Once again, if you need more information about Donatel and want to reach out to Mike and the team, go to donatelmedical.com. That's D-O-N-A-T-E-L-L-E, donatelmedical.com. Now let's get back into this conversation with Mike Marinaro, the president of Medtronic's CRM business. So with the with the leadless, uh, the, the 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 safety comes in the fact that you don't have the lead, you don't have that extra bit of connection. Are the benefits of that something that that is sold primarily or marketed primarily to the providers, to the hospitals, uh, maybe for reducing complications? Do you actually have an opportunity to reach out to patients and make them let them know about this particular innovation, and perhaps it makes them more comfortable with the procedure? What is what goes what what is the marketing? Who is the marketing directed at? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's in, increasingly you know, pulling the patient into the conversation. Uh, part mm-hmm. of the value proposition is not only that you reduce complications, but you actually implant the whole device into the patient's heart. So with a, a traditional transvenous pacemaker, the device is placed in the subclavian region, so up in the patient's shoulder, you know, and then a lead is fed through their, through their veins into their heart. And with this technology, the entire capsule is placed into, into the patient's heart. So there's no visible reminder to the patient, you know, that they have a disorder or that they're even, hmm. you know, that they're, that there's an issue that they're dealing with. They just feel better and they don't have to every day see a scar or see, you know, an implant in their chest. And to the patients, you know, that's, that's obviously a big deal. Uh, also increases mobility. Um, there are just, you know, a, a number of benefits that you can speak to directly, you know, uh, uh, to a patient, but, but we start with a physician, mm-hmm. but increase. We were having, you know, more of that conversation with the patient. 
I have to think that's probably your first opportunity really to to market to a patient. I mean, this is the kind of product that you normally would sell to to directly to consumers necessarily uh, earlier before before this this advance. That's right. In in our in our part of the world, um, you know, we haven't necessarily um, taken our technology into sort of a retail setting. <laughs> Not yet. But, but this is one that has obvious benefits. And so it really is the first big opportunity to start having that conversation. Let's move on to the uh, defibrillator space uh, that you work in. Where, where are you seeing uh, making advances technologically in that? What new products are you rolling out there? There's there's three areas of innovation here. Uh, we've just launched a you know a whole new suite of products um, that that are named Cobalt and Chrome. Uh, that's the name mm-hmm. of, the, of the family. But but we think about innovation here really in in three ways. The first is in the the traditional transvenous devices themselves. And there's always advancements in terms of longevity and other capabilities, adding Bluetooth communication, for example. But one of the real opportunity areas for us, one of the areas of strength for Medtronic is in our ability to build algorithms that are getting now closer and closer to what people would think of as, you know, AI sort of technologies. So we have, for example, in our CRT devices, you know, an adaptive capability that is that really is adapting to therapy on a beat-to-beat basis, or in our new, you know, defibrillators, the the ability of our devices, while interpreting, you know, what is a lethal rhythm coming from the patient, to understand the therapy we're delivering and self-correct as we're delivering the therapy. So it's not just a rote sort of algorithm, but it's actually adjusting to the feedback it's getting to the, from the patient. Or our capability now to, to uh, with our triage HF suite of, of devices, to be able to manage heart failure patients to hopefully prevent you know, hospitalizations and to risk stratify those patients. So there's the algorithmic advancement, which is now really moving into this area of, of what people would think of uh, with AI. Then there is um, advancements in lead technology. And so you know a couple of years ago, we introduced a new lead for our CRT devices called the Pain Stability Quad that allows for precise placement of a lead. And our physician customers see that as a, as a real advantage. It's the first of its kind. We're innovating our new defibrillation leads to try to get to our most durable defibrillation lead ever. And the way we're getting there, we also believe we can reduce the size by about half. Wow. So there's this lead innovation that's been sort of elusive in this space that we think we're, you know, we, we will effectively get to now. And then lastly, um, we're focused on disrupting what we call our high power platform or our defibrillator, you know, business with a, a technology we call extravascular ICD. And so you may be aware of a, a competitive device uh, called a subcutaneous ICD. And, and some of the interest there is in taking the leads out of the vasculature for the patients. And so you know, you have opportunity to treat these patients differently if they're younger or if you need to re- remove the leads because of infection or other reasons. And we've taken our traditional transvenous devices and we've adapted the full capability of the transvenous device now to this extravascular ICD. And the technology is applied by, you know, placing the leads under the sternum, but not placing them in the venous system or into the patient's heart, hmm. but thereby avoiding some you know, complications associated with that. We're, we've just filed for CE mark and, uh, and now are, you know, moving towards a, a FDA 
uh, submission here in the next um, you know several quarters. And is that is that something else that ultimately will be appealing to patients, or will be the marketing would be directed to patients, or is that more of a something that's uh, directed to physicians and clinicians? The benefits of that will be more obvious to the physicians. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And I know the both areas and all areas i know connectivity is becoming a is is a huge part of, of what you're doing going forward explain how you're connecting these devices what sort of data is being transmitted and and how is it being read by both clinicians and and i believe patients too i think you have a, a apps that people can access to to monitor their own health we do we do yeah we you know so we we like to think of the the work we're doing here is you know real digital health. I mean, if you think about digital health in cardiology, digital health in this area really started with connected cardiac implantable devices. Medtronic invented this capability, you know, early on. And it was this ability to understand what's going on um, uh, with a patient's device and to be able to read a patient's device remotely so that, you know, we can understand if there are any issues the patient is experiencing or any alerts that the physician should be aware of or if therapy has been delivered, we can better understand that. And so that sort of information gets communicated um, back through our network into physicians' offices. And the physician can look at that at a moment's notice um, you know, anytime they wish. And this became, of course, more important as we got into the pandemic. Um, we have about 2.5 million patients on our CareLink infrastructure, and that's growing at, at a clip of about 250,000 patients a year. Um, our data says that by managing patients remotely, um, we're able to reduce mortality, keep patients out of the hospital, reduce ER visits. So there really is, you know, very strong data-based evidence um, that that remote management of patients, you know, matter. You mentioned now we also have app-based monitors. So a traditional monitor for a patient. Is, a, is what we call a bedside monitor. So it's a device, that, a hardware device that sits on the patient's bedside table. And that's what the device communicates to at night. Mm-hmm. And we've changed our capability now some years ago with our pacemakers and now with our new defibrillators um, with Bluetooth connectivity to be able to put the monitor right on the patient's phone. And so what that does is it actually increases what we call the attachment rate or the you know, the effectiveness of attaching the pacemaker to the monitor or the defibrillator to the monitor. And then it also gives patients some, you know, sort of activity uh, data, battery life, you know, other sort of basic information that now starts to allow us to really engage the patient and have the patient engage in their care, which of course, you know, as the world evolves here, I think we're all going to want more and more and more of. Sure. Uh, and Speaking of the evolving world, how did the connectivity sort of come to play during the, the lockdown last year? I understand you were had physicians who were able to deliver care from uh, from California to Hawaii, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. Talk a bit about how connectivity played played out during the pandemic and during the lockdown. Yeah, it it, it really, you know, the, the importance of it accelerated. So the way we like to think about it is, you know, Really, up until the point of the pandemic, we we saw our connectivity in some quarters as a as a differentiator, or um, you know, something that could really drive usage of our devices. But it really was an enabler of our technology. And then we saw and kind of extracted the full value as we got into the pandemic. So, just the sheer ability to monitor patients became more important. We saw in regions around the world that 
weren't high utilizers of monitors in Europe, for example, or other parts of Asia, where the monitor usage just increased dramatically. So something as simple as the patient's having to come in several times a year. Now the patient can only come in, only needs to come in one time a year because mm-hmm. the physician knows what's going on. What you're referring to is our ability to remotely program devices. Gotcha. And this is a capability that we had developed um, prior to the pandemic. Um, but frankly, you know, some of our phys- physicians were quite satisfied with the service we provide. And there, there wasn't a level of interest in, you know, learning something new. Mm-hmm. And what we learned during the pandemic is that we could remotely program devices. So we literally had, you know, our technicians um, in remote locations. Most frequently, we would have them sitting out in the control room so they weren't in the care setting. They weren't being exposed to, to um, the virus or, you know, other, other issues. Um, but sometimes, like you're describing, you know, we were able to do long-term uh, or rather long-distance uh, remote programming, you know, Hawaii to California or um, Alaska to Seattle. Um, and these were, you know, normally scenarios where we would fly people in to go do cases, but now we could be much more efficient, get the same job done, um, and avoid risk. And that really started to accelerate. We have other technologies that take our people out of the care setting that also drive efficiency that our physician customers and hospital systems are adopting as well. And so these digital capabilities really are becoming more and more important as we go. And I think, you know, as we all age, um, they're going to be ever more important because we're going to, you know, we're going to require it. We're going to require that sort of connection, that sort of ease. Uh, It just makes sense. How is the, the, Pace of innovation in this space, uh, how does it compare to past years? It seems as if we're at a, at a sort of a tipping point where we're seeing a lot more, a lot smaller items, leadless items, connected items. It seems like we're at a point where we're going to see this whole area, which is, as you mentioned, one of the older ones in med tech, really develop sort of a new, a new shape and a new form and a new function in the next few years. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's still a regulated space. So the, so the area yes. of connectivity is still regulated. And so that, you know, creates the barriers that we're aware of. But I think what, what software allows you to do is to increase the pace of innovation, to, mm-hmm. to increase and to iterate more easily. So you could put out a software technology that, you know, has required viability that you're intending to update on a regular basis, different from an implantable device. And, you know, that's the real one of the real opportunities. You know, additionally, when you do things like move your whole database to the cloud, you now have, you know, a lot more flexibility and computing power that, you know, allows us to think about how we bring value outside of the device itself mm-hmm. and again, iterate more quickly. So I think, you know, we will see the pace of, of innovation um, evolve pretty dramatically here um, in, in large part because of our capability but also the pandemic is forcing us to be more open-minded about it. You know, mm-hmm. where five years ago, we may have heard from some of our customers some concern about putting a monitor on a patient on a patient's cell phone. Um, I think we all realize now that, boy, it makes a lot of sense to have it there. Every monitor should be on the patient's cell phone. To a sure. Large oh, that's a great point. And I know we had a conversation with Ann Sheldon uh, talking about cybersecurity. I'm sure that's something that's being built into your product development, has been built into your product development going forward. 
it's so critical. And I, I will say that it, it's an area that we've we've evolved pretty dramatically. You know, I think that as a medical device company, historically years ago, we thought about device security through that lens. And then now several years ago, we went and hired um, uh, security experts that were external to medical devices mm-hmm. to really bring in, you know, new capabilities. And we built out a whole team around that. And, you know, the way you communicate matters, you know, Bluetooth helps us actually get more secure mm. uh, than, than some of the other uh, modalities of, of communication. And so, yes, it, it's central to, to, to the ability to be connected, of course, you know, security, cybersecurity is is everything, and um, we're very focused there. But it really does require a mindset that's, you know, outside of where we've operated historically, as you can imagine. I bet. Final area I want to talk about, you mentioned, you referenced it earlier, was was Tyrex. What, where does this fit into the puzzle, uh, and what, uh, opportunity, what opportunities does it present uh, going forward? Yeah, Tyrex has been such an, such an amazing story. You know, there's this unmet need um, in the in our uh, market uh, where you know some large number of patients between you know one and four percent of patients who receive uh, our devices and competitive devices uh, get an infection when those patients get an infection they then go on to you know serious downturn or downstream effects um, up to and including you know high rates of mortality at five years and so what we've seen with Tyrex is, as you probably know, Tom, is, is um, by way of our data, we, you know, we conducted the largest uh, study we've ever conducted, 7,000 patients. You know, we see a 60% reduction in the infection rate of our procedures. And so now we're thinking about how we take this technology to, to other uh, areas in which we operate. So, uh, for example, the same technology into things like neuromodulation implantables is an area we're already operating, but moving the Tyrex capability into our surgical business uh, will be another big step for us. And you can imagine, you know, all of places where an antibacterial surgical mesh with 7,000 patients worth of data can really be applied to, you know, some great benefit. And so we're, we're flushing all those out as we speak. And uh, that's great. And the final question I've asked, uh, I've asked everyone is just uh, about the reorganizations. No one, no one's taken the opportunity to criticize the reorganization of the Medtronic. Uh, so this, you could be a first, but uh, I'm guessing this is this has worked well for you. It seems like it really kind of focused your uh, your group on a, on a core area. Whereas before, if I if I recall correctly, you really your business had a lot of sort of far-reaching elements to it. So, you, so you won't get criticism from me either, <laughs> except maybe to say it's always painful to go through a large uh, reorganization. That's that's extra work. Sure. On everyone's plate, but um, we, we had a really talented team and we were fortunate in that we were actually able to um, to send leaders to run, you know, other parts of, of the business at Medtronic. Um, I think the, you know, the reorganization has had its desired effect, which is to drive focus. You know, you, you mentioned that in our business, um, we actually... Um, sort of separated out a couple of segments that had previously been in as part of cardiac rhythm and heart failure um, and now into their own entity. So that allows them to focus, but frankly, it allows us to focus too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, I think, driving, you know, a lot of the success that you're seeing in, in CRM, I'd say, you know, the single uh, greatest area of focus has come with alignment uh, with our regional partners 
um, they're a direct line of sight, you know, between them and us with what's required to be successful every day. And we're making quick decisions as to, you know, how we go win in the marketplace. And, and you know, that really is, I, I think, an accelerator for our business. So, yeah, no criticism here. I think we've gained from it pretty significantly. And, and now that we've been in it, you know, almost a year, um, we've got our footing firmly set. And, uh, and now we're just, you know, working forward. And just follow up, the, the regional partners, do you mean uh, sort of sales organizations, regional as in global regional? So where we, had, where we previously had uh, sort of amalgamated uh, Medtronic structures in the region where, yeah. you know, each one of our businesses had to work through a, a group sales organization, uh, we now, you know, have a direct reporting lines with each of the large regions uh, around the world. So, you know, China, Australia. Europe, for example, um, you know, Japan, US, um, they're all directly connected in and report directly into the business. And so that it really creates great alignment um, uh, amongst the team. And I think you referenced this earlier, and I know you addressed it in the call that I talked about that you did in, in April or May, but each region really has its own strategy toward toward increasing market share in China and Western Europe and Australia and New Zealand. They all sort of have their different sort of pressure points that they're going after, right? Yeah, the, the really important work that we've done has been this evolution um, in our thinking from, you know, starting with the Western developed countries and exporting our strategies and products um, elsewhere. And, you know, what's become apparent to me um, in many years now in doing this is that we need to have tension from the regions feeding back in what's required. And then as we think about working with each one of those regions to have a specific strategy as to what's important to them, what's gonna make a difference for them in their region is, is, um, is critical. And so we don't have one strategy that's a blanket strategy at the regional level. We say, you know, we're gonna take a specific approach in each one of those markets. And it really does make a difference to have, you know, to have that that level of focus. A great example of that is the work that we did in Australia now years ago around our connected ecosystem. A lot of this remote capability they saw as a huge opportunity for them to drive efficiency. They led the way hmm. for us, you know, around the globe in terms of learning how to do this. They were gaining market share without product launches just by getting more efficient, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. And so we went and learned, we invested, We've given them what's required to be successful. Now we've taken that in other parts of the world and we do similar things with other geographies. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, it was a, it was a pleasure uh, catching up. Pleasure meeting you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Mike. Yeah, you too, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thanks, Mike Marinaro, for joining us. Thanks again to Donatel for its support. And thanks again to you, our listeners, for being part of this. Please do be a bigger part by sharing this podcast on your social media channels. And when you do, please tag me. You can find me on Twitter at MedTechTom. You can find me on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. You can find other episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast on our website, devicetalks.com. You can also find our Device Talks weekly podcast there as well. We'll also be putting up information about our upcoming events in 2022. Our first one is in May. We're very, very excited. Finally, please don't miss future episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast. 
You can follow or subscribe to the podcast on most major podcast platforms. They include Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google. We're out there. So please do follow and subscribe. So we'll have future episodes of this podcast series sent directly to you. That's it. Tune in next time for another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast.